0: Job. The book of Job has been universally regarded not only as one of the most splendid creations of Old Testament poetry, but also as a literary masterpiece deserving to take rank among the great classics of all time. Job, the hero of the book, is an historical character. He is mentioned as such in Ezekiel, Tobias, Ecclesiasticus, and the Epistle of St. James. But the book itself is a poem in which are embedded lyrical passages of fascinating beauty. The, the book is, in fact, a poem, although it comes down to us in its translation as prose. In a form of dialogue, preceded by a prologue and followed by an epilogue, it treats of the problem of suffering, seeking the solution to the question, how can the afflictions of the innocent be reconciled with the justice of God? Nothing is known with certainty about the author of this book, Moses, Solomon and Job himself are mentioned by some of the fathers, but these are merely guesses. Neither do we know anything about the time when it was composed, although it's probably older than the book of Ezekiel who praises Job for his justice. Neither is anything known about the time in which the events described took place, although all the indications seem to suggest that uh, Job lived at the time of the patriarchs of uh, the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's particularly interesting that Job was not a Hebrew, uh, and there is no indication that he was in any sense related to the patriarchs, which makes this book also of very particular interest. The story of Job unfolds thus. There was a man in the land of Hus whose name was Job, and that man was simple and upright, fearing God and avoiding evil. And they were born to him seven sons and three daughters. And his possession was seven thousand sheep and three thousand camels and five hundred yoke of oxen and five hundred she-asses and a family exceeding great. And this man was great among all the people of the east. And his sons went and made a feast by houses, every one in his day. And sending, they called their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of their feasting were gone about, Job sent to them and sanctified them. And rising up early offered holocaust for every one of them. For he said, lest perhaps my sons have sinned in their hearts. So did Job all the days of his life. Now on a certain day, when the sons of God came to stand before the Lord, Satan also was present among them. And the Lord said to him, Whence cometh thou? And he answered and said, I have gone round about the earth and walked through it. And the Lord said to him, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a simple and upright man, and fearing God, and avoiding evil? And Satan answering said, Doth Job fear God in vain? Hast not thou made offence for him, and his house, and all his substance round about Bless the works of his hands, and his possession hath increased on the earth. But stretch forth thy hand a little, and touch all that he hath, and see if he blesses thee not to thy face. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy hand. Only put not forth thy hand upon his person. And Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Now upon a certain day, when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the house of their eldest brother, there came a messenger to Job, and said, The oxen were ploughing, and the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabbateans rushed in and took all away, and slew the servants with the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell thee. And while he was yet speaking, another came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven, and striking the sheep and the servants hath consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell thee. And while he also was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans made three troops, and have fallen upon the camels and taken them. Moreover, they have slain the servants with the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell thee. He was yet speaking, and behold, another came in and said, My sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the house of their elder brother. A violent wind came on a sudden from the side of the desert, and shook the four corners of the house, and it fell upon thy children, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell thee. Then Job rose up, and rent his garments, and having shaven his head, fell down upon the ground, and worshipped, and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. As it has pleased the Lord, so it is done. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all these things Job sinned not by his lips, nor spoke he any foolish thing against God. And it came to pass, when on a certain day the sons of God came and stood before the Lord, and Satan came among them and stood in his sight, that the Lord said to Satan, Whence comest thou? And he answered and said, I have gone around about the earth and walked through it. And God said to Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? that there is none like him in the earth, a man simple and upright and fearing God and avoiding evil and still keeping his innocence? But thou hast moved me against him, that I should afflict him without cause. And Satan answered and said, Skin for skin, and all that a man hath he will give for his life. But put forth thy hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and then thou shalt see that he will bless thee to thy face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in thy hand, but yet save his life. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord, and struck Job with a very grievous ulcer, from the sole of the foot even to the top of his head. And he took a potsherd and scraped the corrupt matter, sitting on a dunghill. And his wife said to him, Dost thou still continue in thy simplicity? Bless God and die. And he said to her, Thou hast spoken like one of the foolish women. If we have received good things at the hand of God, why should we not receive evil? And all these things Job did not sin with his lips. In these six extraordinary catastrophes which befell Job, and the circumstances of them, we see a figure of the activity of Satan in the world. We see how... By walking up and down upon the earth, Satan is relentlessly endeavouring to tempt and to trouble the servants of God. But that, nevertheless, by the dialogue between Satan and God, we see that he can do nothing without God's permission. And also, we see how God does not permit him to tempt Job, and therefore anyone of us, above our strength having suffered these six temptations or six calamities job is now faced with the seventh and the greatest of his misfortunes when paradoxically his friends come to visit and comfort him now when job's three friends held on all, all the evil that had befallen him they came everyone from his own place Eliphaz and Baodad and Sopha, for they had made an appointment to come together and visit him, and comfort him. And when they had lifted up their eyes afar off, they knew him not. And crying out, they wept, and rendering their garments, they sprinkled dust upon their heads towards heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no man spoke him a word, for they saw that his grief was very great." And now there are these discourses between Job and his friends, very, very long and lengthy discourses, which we do not have time to repeat in a short conference such as this, on the nature of God's uh, justice and the the sufferings which may and do befall the innocent. To Job's great distress, his friends, far from comforting, comforting him, Actually, accuse him and told him that God had punished him for his sins. In brief, we can just resume what these friends said to him. Eliphaz said, Wilt thou take it ill if we dare to speak to thee? But who can be silent? Remember, who ever perished being innocent? As far as I saw, they that plough iniquity and sow sorrows reap them. Is a man just before God? Behold, the heavens are not pure in his sight, how much less corrupt man. Surely thou hast not given drink to the thirsty, nor bread to the hungry. Widows thou hast sent away empty-handed. Nothing happens on earth without a reason. Man is born to suffer as the bird to fly. Blessed the man whom God correcteth. Therefore do not despise the fear of the Lord, for he woundeth and cureth, he striketh and his hands heal. Bildad said, Doth God pervert judgment, or doth the Almighty overthrow that which is just? If thy children have sinned against him, he left them to suffer the punishment of their sin. But if thou wilt arise early to God's, and wilt beseech the Almighty, if thou wilt walk clean and upright, he will presently awake unto thee, and will make the dwelling of thy justice peaceable, insomuch that if thy former things were small, Thy latter things shall be very great. No, God doth not cast away the pious man, nor reach out his hand to the evildoer. The dwelling of the wicked shall be destroyed. How could a man appear just before God? Behold, the stars are not pure in his sight. How much less man that is rottenness, and the son of man who is a worm? So far said, Thou sayest, I am pure in God's sight. But I wish that God would speak with thee that thou mightest understand that he exacteth much less from thee than thy iniquity deserveth. But if thou wilt lift up thy heart and hands to him in prayer, if thou wilt put away iniquity and let not justice remain in thy taint, yea, then shalt thou be steadfast and shalt not fear. Then shalt thou forget thy misery and remember it only as waters that are passed away. But Job, in spite of all, reaffirms, his innocence, and said, Although he should kill me, I will trust in him. He knoweth my way. He tries me as gold that passeth through the fire. My foot hath followed his steps. I have kept his way and have not declined from it. I have not departed from the commandments of his lips, and the words of his mouth I have hid in my bosom. My step hath never turned out of the right way, and no spot hath cleaved to my hands. I have never uh, denied to the poor what they desired, nor from my infancy mercy grew up with me. I have never made money my strength, nor did I say to gold thou art my confidence. I have not rejoiced over the increase of riches, and because my hand hath gotten much, and I have never denied the God of heaven. Have pity on me, have pity on me, at least you, my friends, because the hand of the Lord hath touched me. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, And on the last day I shall rise out of the earth and I shall be clothed again with my skin and in my flesh I shall see my God, whom I myself shall see and my eyes shall behold. This my hope has laid up in my bosom. So So does Job make an act of faith in another life and a justice which is to come. At this point another person enters the debate. He is Elihu the Buzite, who has been intensely interested but silent observer of the debate. Elihu is angry with Job because he said, I am clean and without sin, I am unspotted and there is no iniquity in me. He is also angry with his friends because they had not found a reasonable answer but had only condemned Job. So when he saw that Job had driven his opponents from the field, he boldly stepped in to show them his wisdom and his knowledge. He is very boastful at times, and his oratory is somewhat effervescent. But he is a representative of the younger generation, which is convinced that wisdom and judgment are not a monopoly of the ancients. Elihu offers what is, in some respects at least, a new solution to the problem of suffering. He shares the opinion that sin is the cause of suffering, but he stoutly maintains that it is not the only cause. Suffering may be sent by God, he says, as a means of probation and purification for higher glory. Affliction is like a benevolent teacher, which men are in danger of falling into sin. God sends them suffering as a messenger, that he may withdraw their souls from corruption and enlighten them with the light of the living. In like manner, by affliction, God brings men to acknowledge their sins, in order that, purified by repentance, they may return to him. He also shall open their ear to correct them, and shall speak that they may return from iniquity. If they shall hear and observe, they shall accomplish their days in good and their years in glory. Elihu thus offers Job an escape from his terrible, desperate position. The poor sufferer can hold fast to his profession of innocence and at the same time be convinced of the justice of God. Elihu's discourses draw no reply either from Job or from his three friends. Their silence proves that the speaker was right in his partial solution to the problem after job and his friends had finished their speeches the lord himself appeared in a whirlwind and said to eliphaz my wrath is kindled against thee and thy two friends because you have not spoken the right thing of me as did my servant job take therefore seven oxen and seven rams and go to my servant job and offer for yourselves a holocaust And my servant Job will pray for you. Then your folly shall not be imputed to you. So Eliphaz, Beldad and Sopha went and did as the Lord had commanded them. The Lord heard Job when he prayed for his friends. And God rewards Job for all of his patience by giving him twice as much as he had before the disasters and temptations came upon him. The Lord gave Job 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 she-asses, double all that he had received before. All his brothers, sisters, and friends that knew him before came to him, and ate with him in his house. They expressed their sympathy with him, and comforted him upon all the misfortune that God had brought upon him. The Lord blessed Job's latter days more than at his beginning. He again gave him seven sons and three daughters, Job lived yet 140 years and saw his children and his children's children unto the fourth generation. In this uh, material reward, of course, we are to see uh, the promise of spiritual rewards for all those who submit themselves patiently to the will of God. In the Old Testament, of course, there was the generalised belief that God rewarded justice with material prosperity, which indeed is what the whole drama of the book of Job consists in, that Job being innocent could have suffered material misfortunes, whereas God teaches that material circumstances are not a sure indication of the state of one's soul. Thus, the book of Job answers the question concerning the cause and the purpose of suffering, by showing that it is not merely a punishment for sin, but also a test of the just man's virtue, a warning in time of temptation and a means of purification for higher glory. Even the victorious role of suffering is hinted at in Job's acceptable prayer for his friends. So, suffering can likewise be made a source of benefit and good to others when offered for them. But when all has been said to solve the problem, the last and the deepest reason for suffering lies in the will of God, whose designs are beyond the understanding of man. Practically, then, there remains nothing for man to do but cast himself in humble submission and childlike confidence into the loving and merciful arms of his Father and his God.